A reading from the Gospel of Mark. When Jesus and his followers approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus gave two disciples a task, saying to them, Go into the village over there. As soon as you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, its master needs it, and he will send it back right away. They went and found a colt tied to a gate outside on the street, and they untied it. Some people standing around said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them just what Jesus said, and they left them alone. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes upon it, and he sat on it. Many people spread out their clothes on the road, while others spread branches cut from the fields. Those in front of him and those following were shouting, Hosanna, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. After he looked around at everything, because it was already late in the evening, he returned to Bethany with the twelve. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm your lead pastor here at Zao. And I just want to say happy Halloween to all of you, to each of you. I was apparently not brave enough. I didn't know that we were all from the front going to be in costume during service. My, my, they, uh, my Nightmare Before Christmas shirt is a little nod, but for those of you who want to see me in full costume, you've got to stay for the costume contest afterward. You may have noticed some other members of my crew dressed up like a Mad Hatter and Tweedledee, etc. I just thought you might not take me fully seriously dressed up as a smoking caterpillar. <laughs> But if you'd like to see a homemade costume, come hit me up after service. So Halloween is a lovely and joyous holiday. How many of you are celebrating as adults in part because you weren't allowed to fully celebrate as children? I see you, I see you, I see you. Welcome. You made it. And here we are celebrating, playing, pretending, and enjoying one another. The joy of imagination is part of the Christian life. It is about imagining beyond what is here, which is prophetic. And so as we don our costumes and play and celebrate, we do the work of being good Christian community. Now, there is another holiday in October that often gets a lot less fanfare. I think about it a lot less, and you know what? It honestly sneaks up on me every year because I'm not getting ads for it. Target is not trying to sell me equipment to prepare for it. There are no flavored treats for National Coming Out Day. National Coming Out Day is on October 11th, and honestly, I miss it every year until social media alerts me. But it is a powerful and political day. Coming Out Day has a long history. Coming out as queer is a part of a movement, 
originally kind of stolen or, or borrowed from debutantes. <laughs> Coming out is a way of declaring oneself, a way of showing up into the world and saying, this is me, I'm here, I'm powerful. It's sort of an anti-Halloween because it is about taking off the costumes that we put on. It is about bearing ourselves for exactly as we are, not pretending, not performing, but simply being. And just as pretend and play and prophecy are part of the Christian journey, so is being. Being oneself fully, being oneself honestly, is another kind of prophetic act. It envisions a world where all can be made free because none of us are pretending to be something we're not or fitting ourselves into systems that are not made for us. We are demanding that the world account for us. We are envisioning a kingdom, the Jesus way, where all are made free because all are allowed and celebrated to be exactly as God intended them to be. Now, coming out in the queer community has this history that is both personal and political. There were times, believe it or not, in the 30s and 40s where it was actually much safer to come out than in decades after. There were coming out parties that were kind of these mirrors of debutante balls. But as it became politically and personally more dangerous to be known as queer, folks receded receded back into the corners and the closets of their lives. But as the queer community would gather in secret and underground, they would celebrate one another. They may not have been known in public, but they were known to themselves. They were known to each other, and in those moments, they found freedom. They found belonging. They built little bits and pieces and corners of kingdom where they were seen as God sees them perfect and holy and queer. But even those pockets cannot live, cannot survive in a world of crushing domination. We cannot hope to find freedom by pocketing ourselves with those who are like us. We have to break into the world as it is because the world as it is is always seeking out communities of oppression seeking out communities of solidarity and trying to crush them, which brings us to Stonewall. There was a little pocket of the kingdom of God in, at Stonewall where folks were gathering in secret illegally to be their full queer selves. But the police came for them as they always do. The systems of power and oppression came for them as they always do. And so that night at Stonewall, folks decided to fully fight back. And after that riot that occurred that night, that fighting back, that pushing back against the police state that says, no, we can't even let you be at peace in your corners of protection. After that pushing back, there was a more public coming out, a more political coming out, a more purposeful coming out, not just to one another, but to the world. The first gay liberation march in New York City was in June 1970. And at that event, one of the organizers said, we will never have the freedom and civil rights we deserve as human beings unless we stop hiding in closets and in the shelter of anonymity. And in that moment, they were inviting folks to come out on purpose, 
to declare themselves, to stop hiding. Abigail Segei, the author of Come Out, Come Out, Whoever You Are, writes this about the history of coming out. By presenting coming out as a way to end internalized self-hatred and achieve a better life, the LGBTQ movement helped to encourage people to come out despite associated risks. It also showed how coming out could be used to build solidarity and to recruit other queer people. For instance, in 1978, in his campaign to defeat a California initiative that would have banned gay teachers from working in state public schools, openly gay elected government official Harvey Milk urged people to, quote, come out, come out, wherever you are. Milk gambled that if queer people told their friends they were gay, Californians would realize that they had friends, co-workers, and family members who were gay and, out of solidarity, would oppose the proposition. The campaign helped defeat the initiative. In the 1980s, the gay and lesbian rights movement radicalized in response to the Christian right and AIDS epidemic. Activists used the mantra, come out, come out, wherever you are, to demand that people declare their homosexuality. The coming out narrative became a rite of passage, something to be shared with others, and the centerpiece of gay liberation movements. The author goes on to detail how this became more radical, more political, and more provocative even through the 90s. An organization called Queer Nation took it further in the 90s. They would wear shirts with slogans like militant dyke, generic queer, and promote homosexuality. Sounds a little bit like one of my favorite shirts Cameron wears. Sounds gay, I'm in. <laughs> but this group would hold what they called kissins. They would go to mainstream bars full of straight people and just make out, <laughs> which is a movement I can really get behind. <laughs> they would go to suburban shopping malls and they would chant things like, we're here, we're queer, we're fabulous, and we're not going shopping. <laughs> Now, these demonstrations were not just about being out, not just about being comfortable in one's own skin, not just about finding a pocket of protection, but about forcing the systems and powers of the world to contend with the existence of queer people. In one instance of a highly politicized queer coming out that we can look to to understand why this is so powerful, a group of queer folks gathered on a procession to a Capitol building, stripping off their clothes to form a kind of red carpet as a man in queer defiance rode a donkey toward the halls of power while the disrobed people shouted, Hosanna. I'm sorry, did I say Capitol building? I meant temple. Today's scripture is from Mark, and it details what we often call Palm Sunday. We are examining the scriptures through a queer lens today and as we've been going through Mark in and out of different series this year. And today, the queer theologian, the queer thinker who has commented on our text today for Palm Sunday is Jazz Logan. She's a queer seminary student seeking ordination. And she reflects on this highly political moment of Jesus as a kind of coming out. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, Jesus has done this really weird thing. It's so weird it has a name. People call it the Messianic Secret. 
This is the pattern of Jesus being Jesus and then being like, shh. (laughs) Performing miracles and then being like, don't tell anyone. Being this highly prophetic, provocative public figure, but trying to stay off the radar which can be really counterintuitive to those of us who have interpreted the whole point of the gospel as telling people about Jesus, right? Now, first of all, I think that that's not the whole point of the gospel. But second of all, it is weird to think that Jesus, who has come to be in relationship with all of us, who has come to reveal the nature of liberation and truth, would be doing his work and then telling everyone to keep quiet about it. It is strange to think of Jesus as closeted, but in a way, he is. Jazz describes the way that Jesus comes out slowly to himself and to the people around him, but never in public. She writes, After an encounter with Jesus, people are often charged with not telling anyone about what they had witnessed that day, keeping a closed lip on who the Son of Man is. In private, however, We see Jesus asking his disciples to tell him who they think he is. And in some moments, he confirms the disciples' notions of who he is. And in others, he tells them. Jesus is having, I think, a pretty queer experience here of negotiating the boundaries of public and private, of being fully out only to those who are trusted. It wasn't safe for him to be fully out as this prophetic, liberative figure in that time. The military would have quashed his movement before it had even begun. And so we have, for so much of Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus keeping it underground. That's why we called this series Underground. Because this gospel has to move in secret. This gospel has to gather in the quiet corners of protection and privacy. This gospel has to begin and thrive and find its roots at Stonewall, in the illegal bars, among the oppressed peoples who know how to keep a secret to stay alive. But we also see at this transitional moment, at this moment of Jesus coming out in this parade up to Jerusalem, that Jesus knows that the fulfillment of who he is can never come into being in the shadows. That while he must gather himself, while he must protect himself in this process of building and building, at some point, to reach the culmination of who he is, to reach the culmination of God's intention for the world, to truly bring liberation and solidarity and hope, he has to come out and come out big. And so, he disrupts the events of that day. This was a gathering. He was not just showing up to nowhere. This is Jesus at that suburban mall, chanting and making out. There was a celebration of Passover during that week that he arrived. And so he comes at a big moment and makes an even bigger scene. And the hosannas that people are shouting, it's not just a bible word. It means God saves. It means liberation. It means we have hope for a future in which we can be made free, not quashed under the heel of Roman occupation. It means save us. We believe we are saved. And so by proclaiming this hope of a liberated future where all can be made free, they do. They strip their clothes. They lay down a red carpet for the king who is an unking, 
for the king of a kingless kingdom, for the one who comes to disrupt all order so that we can be made new in hope. And so the fulfillment of the messianic secret is a messianic proclamation. Once there is enough power, once there is enough support, the road is paved towards a proclamation of what is to come. And it is dangerous. It never got undangerous. It's just that the time was right. The community was built. There was a way to do it together. And so in an act of radical, risk-taking solidarity, Jesus approached Jerusalem, the police state, and the cross. Now, there will be future sermons where we talk about how going through the cross and through death does not have the final word, but that there is life on the other side. But today, when we sit with Jesus at the entry to Jerusalem, we can reflect on what it means to come out, not just in terms of gender or sexuality, but in terms of the fullness of who we are, the hope we have in the freedom in Jesus, a different kind of world where all are celebrated exactly as they are meant to be, a different kind of world where all peoples are lifted up, where everyone has a say, where all are offered the liberation that only few have now. And so this is an example, not only of coming out, but another way to say coming out. And I feel you if this is going to squick you out. But another word for coming out is evangelism. Evangelism <laughs> is not about harassing people with tracts. Evangelism is not about threatening people with hell. Evangelism is being yourself in public. Evangelism is coming out as one who has hope. Evangelism is no longer staying silent about the ills and evils of this world, but talking, singing, shouting about the world that can be, a world full of hope. This is the gay agenda, and I am here for it. That author of the history of coming out mentioned the word recruitment, and that is something that I know so many anti-queer folks just really, ooh, it makes their skin crawl. And so many of us have spent a lot of energy being like, you can't make people gay, like, we're not turning anyone gay. But, <laughs> the nature of evangelism is invitation. If I can be my full self, you can be your full self too. We're not making anyone queer, but we are allowing folks to blossom in their queerness, to be fully who they are, to come out of their closets and corners and hiding spaces, to be naked, to take off their costumes, to be celebrated and loved. And this is true of every kind of coming out, every kind of evangelism. When we are bold in our beliefs, when we proclaim a world beyond policing, prisons, surveillance, when we proclaim a world where all have everything they need in the, in the economics of abundance, when we proclaim a world free from war and hatred, we are coming out as those who can hope. We are coming out as those who will not settle. We are coming out and we are declaring that the kingdom of God is possible, is coming to us here on earth, and we can be a part of building it. And that kind of laying down our costumes, that kind of laying ourselves bare, lays out a red carpet for those who would come behind us, for those who need to know the way that has been tread before them. Coming out is a recruitment tool. 
It encourages others. And frankly, I can relate to this pattern. First, of not being sure, coming out to oneself, then friends, then more and more. Now, there are many ways, but the clearest for me is about being trans. I'm a trans and non-binary person, and that's not something that I had the words for for a long time. It's something I've always known in my inmost self. It is something that is a gift from God. But I was wearing a costume of gender for a very long time. Now, if there had not been other brave trans people in my world, in my community, I wouldn't have known where to go. I would not have known which way the road pointed. And so for a long time, I was unsure. And I just didn't really talk about it. But I started going, of all places, to a church with a lot of queer people in leadership. I had trans friends who were sitting in the pews with me. And I had a spiritual director who saw me for who I was, who saw through my gender costume. She saw me and knew me and provided me with safe space. And with her protection, and then a little cadre of disciples, we tried on different pronouns, a different name. I started to disrobe. I started to take off my costume, only in private and in secret. But as I saw the freedom that came to me with that, despite the risks that came, I wouldn't settle. I saw the people who had gone before to be highly public about who they were. And so I started doing that too. I took that secret, quiet safety with God and with my little community. And that gave me the fuel I needed to come out more and more to friends and family, then my job and the world. And now I'm not just trans, but I'm like really trans. <laughs> it's like a big part of what I'm known for among people who know me. And it's highly political. I'm trans in a way that could cost me my job every single day. And it hasn't yet. But it allows me to be a different kind of pastor. Can you imagine the different pastor I would be if I were wearing a costume in front of you? Maybe I can get away with the caterpillar. <laughs> but I can't dress up as a woman anymore and be honest with you about the liberation God is offering. We are called to lay down our costumes, to pave the way for others. I am here because of so many brave people who laid their costumes down, who showed me the way, who laid out a kind of red carpet for me to be who I am. And it is my prayer daily that my choice to be out does the same for others, adds my cloak to the path. Again, coming out is not just about gender or sexuality. I could tell you a similar story about my politics, about identifying as a leftist, as a socialist, as someone who believes there should be open borders, as an abolitionist, as a follower of Jesus. I have had to discern in quiet with trusted support. I've had to push and pull with friends and family. I've had to test my ideas out. Am I out on a limb here? Is this really just not right? Or can I say to you, hey, I actually think 
that Jesus believes more in love than in punishment. Hey, I love Jesus, and that's why I don't believe in hell. Am I, am I losing it? Or am I finally being honest? But then, I have to move beyond those quiet conversations between me and God, between me and my partner, between me and my closest friends. I've had to come out. I've had to proclaim publicly what I think love means. Not just quietly disagree, but proclaim, to shout it. And luckily, we are not alone. We see Jesus paving the way for us. We see the followers, the communions of saints, the people who have come first, laying that groundwork. And even if all those things were to fail, in another account of this story, Jesus tells us, even the rocks would cry out. All of creation is crying out, come out, come out, whoever you are. This is what it means to be in solidarity. This is what it means to build a movement. We are followers of Jesus, discovering what it means to believe out loud out of the closet. This is the kingdom. We make this road by walking it and we line it with the shirts off our backs. We proclaim what we believe because we believe in a future of salvation and liberation. Hosanna, freedom is coming, freedom for all. And as we tread that red carpet, walking on the offerings of everyone who has gone before us, we lay down our costumes, our disguises, as we bear ourselves naked for the world, and we lay the red carpet for those to come. Will you pray with me? God, Hosanna, Savior, bring us the liberation we long for. Bring it first in our hearts, let it blossom into our friendships and our secret safe spaces. And then in culmination, despite risk and with hope, may we proclaim what we know to be true. May we offer ourselves in our fullness, in our nakedness, our beliefs, our hopes. Give us the courage to come out, whatever that means to each of us. May we do that building on all the bravery of those who have gone before us. And may our bravery make us good ancestors. Make, may our bravery be an offering for those who will be brave themselves. And in that community, God, may we see the emergence of a kingdom of love, of hope, and of liberation. Amen.